factor that you're on their slate, on their calendar, they will do the job. Whatever the job is, they will do the job for you. That's our friends at Tiger Moving. Their fleet of Clemson-themed vehicles are scouring the area looking for your stuff to put in the back and haul away to a new destination. TigerMoving at gmail.com, TigerMovingGreenville.com. Speaking of D.C., have you seen the reports on the crime in D.C. right now? It makes it makes Chicago look like a peaceful farm. Oh, yes, their highest murder rate, isn't it? It's unbelievable. What in the world is going on? Whew. Tough. Tough, tough. Uh, I D.C. is so weird. It's such a weird place to me. <clears throat> Remember when the ACC tournament was in D.C.? Everybody thought that was a good idea? It'll be there again this year. Oh, shoot. I forgot about that. I know. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Oh, man. Uh, 654-ROAR is the number. 654-7627. You want to join us on the phones on the Adams Covering Text Line. Text from the 864 points out. Lenardi had Virginia third team in, their, in his first four out. Well, Lottie freaking die. It's about freaking time he started watching the games, Lenardi. This is why I, I get I get bummed out by this. I get bummed out by people who don't watch the games. They don't watch the games. Duke Travis said this. It doesn't bother me he put Duke 17th. We got beat bad. UNC was way more physical. Is Filipowski becoming the next hated white guy at Duke? Yes. Need to play better D and rebound better the next game to have a chance and can't go the whole first half without a free throw attempt. True. Duke didn't look very good. I agree with that. Yeah, Filipowski just doesn't have any help inside is the other thing. I mean, it. you know, the the only way he gets the basket is to bully his way in there. And every now and then, an official will blow the whistle. And then he stops going in, and he just shoots outside the whole time. Uh, speaking of Duke, I need to get your thoughts on this because uh, the the initial returns were very good when I pointed this out. We were at a local establishment in Charlottesville watching the Duke-North Carolina game. And I pointed out that Ryan Young has what I call intramural shoulders. Have you... <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Ryan Young is the most intramural basketball-looking player in the ACC. He looks like he just showed up to play the game after going to Keggers for four days. He just does. He's See, I think about church league youth pastor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Youth pastor at no, church league. No That's offense, great. Quark. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, as one who would know. As one who would know. Uh, I'm, I'm uh I'm convinced that that's that's Ryan Young. Ryan Young it cannot play. Ryan Young is a scrub. And that in turn that is her Duke, I think. That Ryan Young can't play. He can't help Duke at all. Do anything. But he has to play because they don't have an, another alternative to Filipowski underneath. And that was exposed by North Carolina. Because they couldn't guard Davis. And they couldn't deal with Baycott, who I didn't think played a great... I don't even know what his stat line was. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that he played that great. And yet, uh, the game was kind of a walkover. I mean, I... I expected North Carolina to win by double digits. They ended up winning by nine. It was basically a double-digit game. It got close a few times, but I never felt like the I never felt like the victory was in jeopardy for North Carolina. You know, I like the way that North Carolina passed the ball from the. I'm going to find this. I don't know what their assist numbers were. I felt like they distributed the ball really, really well. Eighteen assists. Out. Eighteen assists uh, overall. Uh, Duke had eight. 
Okay, Baycott. Like I said, I didn't think that Baycott was awesome, but I thought he was super effective. 25-10-5. and That's freaking awesome. And they had five turnovers as a team. North Carolina... North Carolina remains very, very, very good and by far the favorite in the ACC. Uh, Harrison Ingram had a double-double, made five threes, had 21 and 11 and four steals. He, I don't think people are giving him enough credit, Ben. Ingram beginning to blossom may be what carries that team. The one concern I had about him early was it felt like R.J. Davis was playing maybe a little above his head. And if he came back down to reality, who was going to pick up the slack? I think the answer is Ingram. Yes. I thought Davis was really good. Uh, His floor game was really good Saturday. But then you look at the numbers. He took 14 shots. He had five assists, no turnovers. But he wasn't like dynamite, like going off like he's been. Um, You had Trimble with 10 off the bench for North Carolina. And Duke just can't. Duke's not deep enough. They don't. They don't have those guys. What, they had thirty-one bench minutes on Saturday. North Carolina played eight players, but they're playing Trimble and Withers and Washington, who are just a higher caliber player than Foster and Young and Stewart. They I mean, just are. On North Carolina overall, look, said all along that they're best team in the league, and that's. I mean, that's not disputable right now. Some of the conversation nationally now has been could they be number one I I mean no disrespect whatsoever I just don't think that they are right now I just don't think they're in the same class as UConn and Purdue I I really especially UConn I think I mean where are you on that I agree you thought about that those are the two best teams now and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I was watching. I watched a little bit of uh, Purdue's game at Wisconsin yesterday, which Purdue got a really, really good. I mean, that's that's the second best team in the Big Ten, Wisconsin, and Purdue went there and beat them. And it was a six point game, but really there were very few moments where I thought Purdue should have been nervous or even looked nervous in the game. It just felt like it felt like Purdue was going to win for about the midway point of the first half all the way to the end. I tell you, and I'll throw another one in there, too. I know they just lost. I still think Tennessee's a very, very good team. That's what I was going to say. If you give me UConn and Purdue as the top two teams, I would tell you that UConn's the best team in the country. I don't know that I completely buy Houston. Um, I, I don't. Kansas is, is, a, is a great team. They're not at the level that they have been in, in years past, I don't think. Um you know, I, I'm probably more like UConn, UConn, Purdue, Tennessee, maybe Marquette. I, I mean, I'm, I just, I just love Marquette. Marquette, <laughs> I just played, love Marquette. Period. Marquette plays a great style. They do, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I would. I would throw Arizona in there. Arizona's guarding better. Yeah. And I. There, there was a time where I thought they might be the best team in the country. They went to Duke and won. And we know that's hard to do. Uh, I think the top four teams are probably UConn, Purdue, uh, Houston right now. I still think Houston's going to guard better. They just gave up 70-plus in, uh, in a regulation game for the first time all season. 
in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. They gave up 72 in overtime to Texas. Um, I I mean, I, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like Houston's going to be there. They're just physically imposing. I know they got they got bounced by by uh, Miami last year. UConn, Purdue. I like I like Tennessee and Houston in there, and maybe Arizona as the five. And then I think you're starting to get into a group with like North Carolina and Marquette and Kansas and ten, and uh, and Alabama and Auburn and Illinois maybe, and some of those teams. Let's go to Mo in the mountains of North Carolina who joins us next. We got a couple callers on hold this segment. What's up, Mo? Hello, fellas. Enjoying a beautiful, sunshiny day here. Outstanding. About Thank you Virginia. for joining us. Yeah, about the Virginia game. There's a couple of things that, and they might, mostly they're defensive things for me, is when you go on these scoring droughts, lots of teams, and I played high school basketball, small college basketball, every coach I ever played for when we weren't hitting shots. Let's pick up the pressure on defense and see if we can score off our defense. Get out there and get guys moving and get them moving a little quicker and get a little energy. What do you think? How many times have you ever seen us do that? You know, I, I think you're right. It it does matter what the what what the personality of your team is. And I, I just I don't know that Clemson is a good enough defensive team, has a good enough collective personality on that end of the floor to be able to necessarily do that. Now, having said that, I think the the women's basketball team has done a good job in the past of that, of cranking up the intensity, doing some trapping, doing some different things, maybe getting out on their front foot a little bit, maybe a little too far at times to try to create a turnover or something to go score in the open court. Amanda Butler's best team did that. They would turn it over 20 times, but they'd force 21. And, um, and that I, I think there are certain teams that can do that, Brad Brownell likes half-court man-to-man defense. He likes to do. He doesn't like to extend very much because it leaves you vulnerable. He's always kind of talking about keeping it balanced. And and uh, and they, they Ben and I were talking about they help a lot. I mean, their man can function like his own or look like his own sometimes because of how much they help. Um, so it's just they do a little bit of it, but it's not in their DNA. And I think it's not in the DNA of the players that they have to do that. But I understand why you're saying it, and I, I generally agree with you. Well, they tried some zone pressure, full-court zone pressure, but Shefflin, he was just too slow to get to the corner. They need somebody a little quicker up there, you know, on the point of that thing. That's right, and sometimes, yes, I I, I do know what you're talking about. Sometimes I will tell you that coaches show pressure to try to slow the opposition down or Mm -hmm. to, you know, Virginia runs a lot of dummy actions. I actually think a little bit Mm -hmm. of a slow-em-down press so that they can't just waste 20 seconds actually throws them off their game where they can't just initiate offense yeah. whenever they want and get to eight before they do something. Well, that gets to my, my next point. Grant Hill in the NCAA tournament a few years ago was talking about Virginia. He said, the way to beat Virginia is you pressure them across the line, make them burn eight seconds. Because they're, they're getting shots off within the last five seconds of the shot clock. They got foul line extending. You don't have to be heavy pressure. Make the guy go to the corner and change direction or pass the ball backwards. You know, make them burn seven or eight seconds instead of playing with 25 seconds. They're playing with 22. A little different. I don't disagree with that, Mo. Um, and you know, I, I Brad Brownell's done that in the past. Now they they've jammed the ball quite a bit when they've had really good on ball defenders. Um, like I say, I've seen Amanda Butler do it. I've seen a lot of coaches will do that when they've got that type of defender because you do kind of want to dictate when and how and where the offense starts setting things up. And uh, I think that's a little bit of an underrated part of a press. It's not always about the turnover. It's about dictating to the offense how this possession is going to go. Okay. 
Thanks for taking my call. Have a great day. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. You do the same. Uh, I, I agree what Mo is saying generally, that when you're not shooting as well, the way to get going is to generate some pressure defensively, create some live ball turnovers, and then try to score that way. Virginia is a hard team to do that against because they are they don't turn it over. Even when they lose, they don't. I think there were 10 combined turnovers in the game, by the way, between mm. the two teams on Saturday. It was a very well-played game, and neither team was really sped up all that much. And so I wonder if that had something to do with it. I also, I mean, I believe what I said. I think this particular team, this, this Clemson men's basketball team, has had, a, has had a hard time on the defensive end because there are players that are more animated to play offense. And in the past, Brad Brownell has had some teams where you could be a little more pressure-oriented and get up in some people and trap in the corners and do some different things to try to get steals and turnovers because you had players that were more animated on the defensive end of things. Your thoughts on that, Ben? I mean, I, I don't want to limit what this team is capable of or, or say they can't do things, but I do think you kind of have to be responsive to the kinds of players that you have. You do, and you, you, you kind of pick your poison there, too. Uh, coach talked about, you know, for instance, he wanted maybe give up a little bit on the offensive rebounding end because he wanted that PJ to have time to get back, and you know, so he doesn't necessarily send everybody to crash the board. Doesn't want to give up points in transition, and you don't want to burn out big guys. Uh, I mean, there's there's always a an equal and opposite reaction sometimes. That's correct. Uh, you know, and, and we can we can debate about which is the right approach or whatever. I, I just I'll just say I don't disagree with what he's saying, you know, and, and trying to prioritize those things. Sure. It's just different strokes for different folks. Um, Lindsay, hang on. We're coming right to you on the other side. I want to tell you about Ingles where you find low prices and you'll love the savings. Uh, I talked about the gas uh, over the weekend. Did I do that on Friday? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, Ben's saying I don't know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I saved 20 cents on gas, but the gas was already 13 cents cheaper than the closest gas station. So in my brain, I saved 33 cents on gas at Ingles. You told me this Thursday. Okay, so I, I told it to you off air. Off okay, air. yeah, I, I told the people on Friday, you're stealing twice, folks. You're stealing twice, and they're letting you. It's legal, thanks to shopping at Ingles. Uh, there are great specials. Uh, tomorrow is 3X Tuesday, where you shop at Ingles on Tuesdays. You get three times the uh, fuel perk points when you use that Ingles Advantage card. Take advantage of that. Uh, ben Milstead will not because he's in Chapel Hill, but he's wishing that he would. At Ingles, where you find low prices, and you will love the savings. Hour 3 continues. We'll go to Lindsay's phone call and much, much more after this. One Tom Plumber will be there in an hour, or they'll discount your bill. In one hour? Yeah. Just dial the number one, then Tom Plumber. That's their name. That's their number. Call the plumber whose name is his number. One Tom Plumber. One Tom Plumber. 
Gilstrap Roofing has an experienced team that specializes in shingle and flat roofs for residential, commercial, and industrial customers. Their dedication to complete customer satisfaction is why a large portion of their business comes from repeat customers and referrals. If you need a full-service roofing contractor that has over 88 years of experience and takes pride in top customer satisfaction, Gilstrap Roofing has got you covered. Call for your free roofing estimate today at 269-1232 and online at gilstraproofing.com. Looking for a job with a company that's focused on family? Glenn Raven's Anderson Plant, maker of high-quality Sunbrella products, is hiring now. As a family-run company offering competitive hourly rates to help you support your family, you'll enjoy premium benefits, including a pension program and much more. You'll qualify for a $1,500 sign-on bonus, and once you're hired, if you refer someone who gets hired, you'll get a $2,000 referral bonus, too. If you're experienced or willing to be trained, apply today at join.sumbrella.com. Twin Peaks is the best in the game. Here, your favorite drafts are poured at a frosty 29 degrees, and rare barrel-aged whiskeys are served just the way you want them. It's bigger game days and bolder fight nights. I mean, where else can you find a scratch kitchen that always comes in clutch? Every day, from lunch to late night. Only at Twin Peaks, the number one sports bar. Get wings the way you want them. Try Twin Peaks wings bone-in breaded, naked, smoked and grilled, or boneless in your favorite saucer rub. Okay, three more climbers, seven loggers. Ted's sustainably sourced logging company is growing a new branch. What about truck driver contracts? Which means a new HR manager will be the first hire to fall. Uh, Then we'll need to staff up the warehouse. Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your employer dashboard. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Broadcasting live from the Upcountry Fiber Studios, this is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. The Roar, knocking down topics like bowling pins. Straight down the middle. No hook, no spin, no fuss. Anything more and this becomes figure skating. We are The Roar. All right, Texas from the 864 says this. You would have thought Baycott had 40 on Saturday. I mean, look, 25, 10, and 5 is really good, y'all. He probably is feeling himself a little bit after that. B. Duke. Have a good stat line. Said, uh, according to him, the ACC runs through him. I did. I People got salty about this. Did you see the salt coming from other fan bases? I did see a Duke fan who retweeted it, or quote tweeted it, along with everything Baycott has won in college. Which are? Nothing. It was just a bunch of zeros. It was a bunch of zeros. That's my favorite thing. I, ACC championship zero. I'm repeating what somebody else said. That's I'm not I'm not taking a shot at him this time. <laughs> I'm definitely not taking a shot at him since I'm headed there in a little while. No, 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 no. You you you're you're a smarter man than that. Uh, let's go to Lindsay and Lawrence, who's up with us next. Six five four roar is the number. What's up, Lindsay? Doing good. How are y'all doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for getting in. So just some quick quick questions about Clemson baseball. 
uh, Wright's the only returner on the infield this coming year. So what's the infield going to look like for us this year? Because Aim A transferred to Tennessee, and I know Bertram and uh, Blackwell and Grice all all moved on. So what's the infield going to look like? Are we going to see like Stallback playing second, or what's it going to look like for us this year? That is a great question. I think Blake Wright is going to move to second base. Uh, that was some of the thought that I've been hearing, and I think that's some of what we've seen in some of the uh, the scrimmages. It's been hard for me to get the scrimmages because of uh, because of women's basketball travel and schedules and so forth. But I've got you know okay. you've always got spies everywhere, and um, so okay. that's that's something that uh, that's something that we've seen. As far as the rest of the infield goes, we we asked Eric Baggage about this last week. Uh, we will ask him next time we sit with him, which was coming is coming very soon. Stay tuned for that. Um, we will ask him what it looks like. He appears to be sort of taking the approach that it could be older guys, like guys that are grad students. Um, the transfers, like for instance, uh, Hinderleiter. Um, a couple of the, uh, uh, Shufo uh, is is a guy that's played infield before, or it could be younger players like Nolan Araki and Cooper Blauser, and it could be like Jaron Purify and Tristan McClady and some of those guys. So there, as of the last time we spoke to him uh, last week, there's a lot of ways it can go, uh, and I I'm not comfortable picking a lane. So sorry to that's a roundabout way of saying we're not sure, but there are lots of options. Well, see, you know, me and my, me and my dad have talked about you know. We wondered if Tim Morello, you know, if he came in as an you know, he's a, a infielder that transitioned to outfield. So we wondered if he would move into the infield and ask, what's the, what's his name, Wet, Wacky Wacky, but take his spot in the outfield. So that was one possibility we came up with. So we were just kind of curious what it would be. Yeah, here's the thing with Canarella. There was some talk that maybe some teams were trying to entice him to go into the portal and play the infield. There was some conversation about that. That appears to have gone nowhere if it was a thing. Um, Eric Backett said that there are three players in his decades of, of coaching that can track the ball the way that Cam Canarella does, like basically balls off the bat, can turn around, run to the spot, turn around, catch the ball. They don't really have to track it. They just know where it's going off the bat. And so they're going to try to use that. I think they've convinced them that, look, if you look at some, if you look at some of the uh, MLB draft stuff for 2025, Cam Canarella is 1-1 in some early draft projections, like the number one overall pick conversation. So that's, I mean, that's that's huge, and that is based on his defensive ability in center field. So I, I would say there's very little chance that he moves to the infield. All right. All right, well, appreciate, appreciate your time. Thanks very much, Lindsay. Appreciate the phone call. Oh, we will have... We will have a lot more baseball and softball coverage coming up this week. I'm going to sit down with a couple softball players tomorrow, and uh, very excited, including one of the transfers. Stay tuned. Very excited about that. Uh, let's go to Jason, who's up with us next on the phones. What's up, Jason? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, love the football win at Rupp Arena. That's a, uh, better than uh, the loss of South Carolina, for sure. It's, uh, what, what a lift that was. You know, with, with Kentucky, you know, you, if you see their stats, or their, what their off, offensive efficiency, you would have said, you know, saw those first of the year. You're thinking, oh, they're the best team in the country. But I don't remember seeing a, such a discrepancy with a Calipari team. You know, many times, a lot of those young guys, uh, like like he has, all those one and done that play together, it takes them a while to get the offensive, you know, get, get the offensive going. But, man, they're just, they've just looked flat-out terrible. Kind of just um, missed assignments left and right. Is it – well, what's going to fix that, do you think, for, for Kentucky? And I – 
obviously they have uh, the, the, some injuries that they've had had to help, but it doesn't matter. They they're giving up a lot, giving up a lot of points. If they can just have an average defense, then, then, then watch out. But if not, you know, they can be another one-and-done uh, team again. And just want to get your take on that. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jason, I think you're spot on. Appreciate it. I, I will say it's hard for me to react too much to Tennessee scoring a bunch of points in Rupp Arena because Tennessee is a really good offensive team that also guards. And, I, you know, Ben, this is, this is going to come across as, this is going to come across as, like, Coward, quack uh, the cowards in here, just not taking stances on stuff. I Tennessee's a really like we're talking about Kentucky now. Tennessee is a really good defensive team. Kentucky scored ninety two points on Tennessee. Tennessee is the number two defense in the country on Ken Palm. Uh, Tennessee, look, you look at their numbers; they, they're giving up nothing. They're fifth in the country in two-point defense, 37th in the country in three-point defense. They're top 100 in turnover rate. They don't give up a ton of offensive rebounds. There's there's nothing not to like about Tennessee's defense, and Kentucky scored 92 points on them. So that's one side of the ledger. The other part is that Tennessee scored 103, and this is where I would also point out, this is the best offensive team that Rick Barnes has had because Dalton Connect is the best offensive player that Rick Barnes has had, maybe ever in his career, but certainly at Tennessee. I am not quite as worried about Kentucky as some others. They've lost three of four right now, two of those coming at home. The defensive leakiness is a problem, um, but it's not consistent. Like, I didn't think they were hideous defensively on the road against South Carolina, um, and, and like they gave up 96 to Georgia and won comfortably. Yeah, well, that game Kentucky and Tennessee both wanted to push, so it was a it was a high volume, a high possession game. Yes, yeah, lot of lot of possessions. Um, it's an NBA score because it was played like an NBA game. Yeah, how many? There were seventy four possessions in that game. So, I, like, I would I would say it's all you know Tennessee scoring one hundred and three. That's a that's a problem, but Kentucky getting ninety two is also impressive. So I'm not I'm not trying to bury Kentucky yet. I think Kentucky will find itself. It is a younger, obviously a a little bit of a younger roster than a lot of teams. They're about the average in basketball in terms of the the age of their players. They're relying on freshmen like Justin Edwards and uh, Reed Shepard. And DJ Wagner's been hurt, so um, he's a guy that was playing a lot. Aaron Bradshaw has gotten minutes, and they, they're going to need him to play a little bit better. But then Antonio Reeves is a really good player, and Trey Mitchell's a really good player, and they're older. And like... They, if you told me that Kentucky was in the Elite Eight, I could see it because of how good Reeves is and because of the offensive firepower that they have. Yeah, and, and in that game, Tennessee jumped on them early. They they jumped out to an 8-0 run. I know at one point it was like 16-5. to um, I mean, Tennessee just overwhelmed them early, and it felt like Kentucky was playing catch-up the rest of the night because they were. Uh, and, I mean, never, never caught them. I don't. Yeah, Kentucky never led in the game. I don't think. I, 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 I think that's right. I, I don't recall them that they did. This is this is probably John Calipari's worst team, but recently they've not been great. Uh, oh, this, uh, defensively, defensively. Oh, okay, I was say, not their worst. Not team. their worst team. Not by a long shot. Probably his worst team defensively, but they're they have not been great at just like making you miss shots. Like the teams that have good defensive numbers that he's had in the past handful of years outside of the COVID year have been teams that force a lot of turnovers. But the percentages that people shoot against them are not that great. 
this team this year is third in the country in block rate, um, which is something I just found. They did not lead in a game. Trail by as many as 16, uh, never led. And that, to me, it's more of a testament to, to Tennessee. Are you – this This is an interesting question, and I think this is a question we're going we're gonna to talk about more in the next month as we get up to the tournament. I said that UConn and Purdue were the two best teams in the country. I think those are the two best in that order. And then I think there's a line. I can't not think about Purdue in the tournament. Like, uh, right. I, yesterday, like I'm watching them play Wisconsin, and I thought they would beat Wisconsin, and they did beat Wisconsin, and they won by six, and Wisconsin's very good. But there were lots of folks going, well, the the folks who uh, are saying a lot of hateful stuff about Matt Painter are, are going to feel dumb come March. And I'm thinking, how we don't know. They do this every year to some degree. And then they underperform in the tournament. They beat the stew out of the Big Ten, and they go on the road, and they win these games, and they trick us again. I'm not following. There are people going, well, we know that this team is better than the others. How? How do we know? Is this the only best team that Matt Painter's had? He's never had a team as good as this one? Zach Eady's a player of the year. Well, yeah, but teams have neutralized him. In the, he's been in college a million years. He's been that tall for a million years. Teams have neutralized him. Uh, yeah, Purdue guards it a little better. They're a little better defensively. But we've also seen him go 6-for-30 from three in a tournament game and lose. Yeah, and the, the, with Edie, now he's getting better at it, but the kid can't shoot foul shots. I mean, he's got Shaq-itis as a big man. Yeah, the funny thing is, and what I'm about to say is not a joke, when we watched, I, I watched Purdue play Alabama in Ontario. Now, Clemson had already played and beaten Alabama. And I am watching that game. Clemson was playing exceptionally well at the time. I'm watching that game. And quite, honestly, I was like, I, I don't know if Clemson can beat Purdue, but they, they would match up pretty well against Purdue. Um, Yeah, it's funny how things change. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's true. And with Edie, you know, Wisconsin doubled him with smaller guys and – frustrated him but he is he is playing at a, at a an exceptional level right now 18 and 13 in that game and I don't I don't think he played all that well yeah he was he was bothered but, but, I mean, they, but they 18 bother and 13 him. is a is a great stat line for a big man it's great he's gonna be the national player of the year because he can play not that well and get that stat line but you could see Zach you could see Purdue getting in to maybe maybe the second weekend of the tournament and they go hack a shack on him and they lose the game at the line. I, the same question I have about Purdue, I have about Tennessee. Like people say, well, Purdue has never guarded like this. And I can look out there and go, you know what? Purdue guards a little better than you might think. And Tennessee doesn't shoot the ball like this. Tennessee's not a player like Dalton Connect. But I'll bring you back to this stat. Been in 27 NCAA tournaments, 27. Rick Barnes has exceeded his expected seed line one time. They're going to be a two-seed or a three-seed, which means to get to a Final Four, they're going to have to exceed their stat line. And somebody's going to put them there and tell me that this team is so different. Rick Barnes has underperformed his seed line 12 times in 27 NCAA tournaments. Matt Painter uh, is actually a little more of an average 
coach in that regard. He's just got a couple of really bad losses. In 15 tournaments, he has exceeded his seed line four times and underachieved five. So, like, Purdue feels like an underachieving team, but really, they've not underachieved nearly as much as every Rick Barnes team has. I'm gonna. These are two teams that I'm really, really going to struggle with. Because Purdue does look the part. They do. But they look the part every year. And Tennessee looks really good offensively, and they're always good defensively, but... You, the history of coaches in the tournament. We talked about uh, the NBA playoffs last year. We talked about taking talented teams with first-year coaches is how you get bounced. But taking coaches with track records, Eric Spolstra, is how you predict playoff series. When there's coaches that have done it well, you take them and you ride them. As long as their roster can carry him, you can take him and ride him. If there's coaches that can't do it or haven't shown that they can do it, have some skepticism. Same is true for NCAA tournament. I just want to throw out that little PSA because I I spent a lot of time thinking about it. When I was watching Purdue yesterday, I'll admit, I found myself being like, I was, I was reeled back in just a little bit. Reeled back in just a little bit. And I, I'm having to resist because I know that it's looked like this or similar to this in the past. I know it has. 654 Roar is the number. When we come back, our out-of-bound stock watch to wrap up a Monday show. More to come after this. Clemson softball's ready to hit the field for the 2024 season, and the Roar has you covered for their first tournament of the year. We'll have three games live on the Roar, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. Every broadcast will be available as well on ClemsonTigers.com. As we await the Tigers' debut in McWherter Stadium this spring, be sure to catch the debut of the 2024 Clemson softball team right here on The Roar, where every day is game day. Honda, Acura, Lexus, and Toyota, also known as Halt and Anderson. First Class Halt, your dealership alternative since 2011, wants to be your preferred service center. With factory-trained technicians, OEM parts, and top-of-the-line diagnostic equipment, we have one goal to keep you on the road. This is why we offer a three-year, 36,000-mile nationwide warranty, courtesy shuttle, and repeat rewards. Anderson, what are you waiting for? Come experience First Class Halt, your dealership alternative for Honda, Acura, Lexus, and Toyota. Hey, foodies, we want to talk to you about the Upstate's favorite taco spot, Willie Taco, with five locations across the Upstate. Our team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. But let's not forget about the super fresh margaritas, ice-cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas that are served up daily from behind our high-energy bar, with happy hour on weekdays starting at 4 p.m. The owners, all local Upstate dudes, love hosting the Willie Taco Fiesta for our amazing guests. Don't wait. Your Willie Taco Familia is ready to serve you up our twist on funky fresh fusion. It's the Willie way. Harbin Lumber Company has been helping build dreams since 1917, proudly serving our local communities for over 100 years for all your building material needs. With spring around the corner, now is the time to think about a new deck or deck remodel or screened porch. Have it completed so you can enjoy the great outdoors. Visit HarbinLumber.com or call us at 706-356-4300 and let us show how we can help with your vision. That's 706-356-4300.
Engineered Sleep has been a Roar partner for over eight years, and your support has meant the world to them. They design and manufacture some of the best mattresses in the world right here in Greenville, South Carolina. If you've not visited their new 95,000-square-foot facility at 333 North Pleasantburg Drive in Greenville, you should. Go check out their mattress showroom and also take a tour of their factory. It is rare that you can buy a mattress directly from a factory that has been making them since 1931. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. Get in zone. So what if I need a new one? No problem. We have the right battery for your car, starting at only $89.99. Get in zone, And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Chiefs versus 49ers. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? He's in for the touchdown! McCaffrey scores! Get in at 654-ROAR and let us know. We are the Roar. Same All right, final segment of the program. Glad to have you with us. Uh, before we go back to the phones, John has patiently waited. We'll get that, and we'll get to uh, Stockwatch to close it down. I do want to tell you about our friends at Toyota of Easley. Go online to toyotaofeasley.com today. Uh, get in a new vehicle. Get in a pre-owned vehicle. Get in a vehicle that fits you and your personality and your needs. I mean, it's just it, it's it's really that simple. Um, if you want to truly experience the best that a dealership can offer, you need to go to Toyota of Easley. And, like, look, I, I made it about the car. It is about the car. Don't misunderstand. But it is about the experience and getting to enjoy a long relationship with Toyota of Easley because that sales staff, they're going to keep putting you in good cars. Really, the, the one car that you get is going to keep you on the road. But, you know, your interests change and your needs change and so forth. And so you might want a new Toyota, a, a different type of deal. They can put you in that. The, the website, second to none, TotalVeasley.com. The service department is elite, elite, elite. That's why they win President's Awards in every aspect of running a dealership. Go online, ToyotaVeasley.com, or check them out on Highway 123. That's Toyota of Easley, where their name means a great deal. Let's go back to the phones. John wants to join us next, talking a little Gamecocks. What's up, John? How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for getting in. I got, I got a quick question. Actually, I got a quick comment. So I heard you talking about Tennessee and how many points they put up on Kentucky. How impressed are you? with the Gamecocks holding to Tennessee and Kentucky both under 70 points. And what would you seed them as of now in the tournament? Well, I would say, I mean, if you look at, like, if you look at a bunch of factors, I, I, I will admit I'm a little bit behind. Normally I do this at the end of January. Um, I, I haven't gone through and, like, seeded everybody. But South Carolina, I mean, they look like an eight seed maybe right now, maybe a seven seed at the moment. Um, because still, I mean, that, that net number at 38 is still a little bit precarious, but they've gotten really good wins. Of course, they're 19 and three. They've gotten a quad ones here, uh, recently they're three and two in, uh, in quad one. They've only got one bad loss on the year. Uh, it's that Georgia game. They've won five in a row. I mean, I would see them as like a seven or an eight seed, um, as it stands right now. And, um, 
probably with a, a little bit of a favorable draw, like maybe on the high side of that, particularly if they're an eight seed. Um, you're getting a weaker nine there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, part of it is their defense. Well, a big part of it is their defense and the physicality. They're 17th in the country in scoring defense. They do it without fouling. Um, offensively, there's still some challenges there. Like, they're, you know, one of the things that we know to be true is that if you're a team that has trouble scoring, you get into the tournament, you're going to run into some problems. However, uh, I think they've got a couple of really good – I mean, Michi Johnson and B.J. Mack, they've got really, really good players there. They've shot the ball better. So, as of right now, I think their stock is is continuing to go up, and Lamont Paris done a really good job. Yeah, well, you know, the, the last thing I'll, I'll comment on is I've watched just about every one of their games, and from from a standpoint of basketball, um, they are one of the most fundamentally uh, sound basketball programs that I've seen. Their fundamentals are just absolutely – Lamont Paris has done an excellent job uh, – but, you know, using the shot clock to his advantage and slowing these teams down that have a high-powered offense. I agree. I mean, look, uh, the the one thing that I think is is the most impressive that they've been able to do that you're talking about, John, is that they have been able to to dictate the pace of games. And that is so hard to do when – and I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, one of the reasons there's a little bit of skepticism about South Carolina is because these other teams are more talented than them. When you're facing Tennessee, they are more talented than you – particularly on the road, you're not supposed to be able to dictate the pace of play. You're not supposed to be able to dictate That's the pace cool. of play against Kentucky. And they they have. They've been able to keep their opponents. I think they're, like, in their wins, they've, they've won every game. They've kept their opponent under 70 or something like that. I think that's right. That's the sort of the magic number with yep. them. Maybe there's one somewhere where they hadn't. But they're, they're playing low-possession games efficiently, and they're making the big plays down the stretch on both ends. I, I would be over the moon if I were a South Carolina fan right now. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank y'all, guys. Thanks, John. Appreciate the phone call. I mean, look, maybe maybe that's low. Maybe a seven or an eight is low on that. I, I was actually thinking that eight nine seed, eight nine type game. And and there's still time. I mean, you still got you've got some losable games. Certainly got a, quite a few winnable games left. And you might be saying, especially if you're a South Carolina fan, well, Quokka ranked 15th in the AP poll this week. First of all, uh, polls are. Let me say this. I don't want to be disrespectful, inherently disrespectful to the polls or to, to teams in the polls or like give too much deference to teams that are out of the polls. Polls matter for validation for teams that aren't supposed to be there. For teams that are always in the top 25 or expect to be in the top 25, it doesn't matter because it's so fluid through a season. You're going to lose a bunch of games. You're going to be up and down, in and out of the rankings. It doesn't matter as much. For South Carolina, being in the poll at all is more important than what you're ranked, in my opinion. Getting a number by your name, getting on the the homepage of ESPN.com, that that's where that's where the value is in that. There still is a resume piece, and South Carolina's resume still does have a few weaker points in it than some others. Some of the uh, some of the metrics, the the efficiency numbers are starting to come up, but they were a little bit depressed early because of the way that South Carolina was playing offensively and the types of teams that they were playing. Um, that stuff is starting to level off. So I'm having to look at all of that stuff and try to figure out, like I said, without sort of plotting teams on a graph and figuring out, okay, here are the teams in six seeds and five seeds and four seeds and everything else. I think a seven or an eight seed is about right. And, you know, it, when your net is 38, if you're just going by the net, that's a 10 seed. So uh, seven or eight is sort of deference outside of the net to the way uh, to the way that South Carolina is uh, is playing, certainly. 
All right, uh, before we wrap up the show, two things. First of all, I need to say, shout out to you, my friend. I'm three episodes into Suits. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Could not believe I hung in on that double dose pilot episode. Very good. The pilots are not good for most shows. I cannot wait, but it was good. I mean, I, I was I was intrigued by it. I cannot wait to go back and watch more. It's it's been it's that good. Three episodes in. So shout out to you, sir. Uh, the second thing is I'm excited for Stockwatch. We do it every single Monday, folks. We close the show going up and down. Let's get it. Who's got worth this week? It's time for the stock watch on Out of Bound. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. I don't know where you get your information, son, but I don't like it. Well, life all comes down to a few moments. This is one of them. Roller coaster, ups and downs, you know that. Not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins... Somebody lose. We are WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Out of Bounds Stock Watch is brought to you by our friends at Kiwi Financial Group. Greg Wales knows how to manage your money. He knows how to, to make your retirement all that it can be. Uh, you don't. So you should give it to Greg. Do it now. Uh, go see him right there on Pendleton Road next to Max Drive-In in Clemson. I'm going to start with a stock up to Belichick. Steve Belichick, hired as a defensive coordinator at Washington. Not the Commanders, but the Huskies. 36 years old. He's been on staff with his dad. Was a defensive play caller, at least in title. It's a solid move. Somebody, some Belichick's getting hired this uh, this cycle. So that's uh, that's good for everybody. Stock up to old Steve. Keeping the Belichick name and coaching. That's nice. Quack, uh, stock down to Providence basketball this weekend. Not not for the whole season, but for this weekend. Uh, Field of 68 reposted this. I didn't believe it. I had to go look it up for myself. Quack, they scored their fifth basket of the game at the 15-24 mark of the second half. The second half. No foul shot. They went 26 minutes, 30 seconds with four field goals. Everybody struggles at some point, people. Everybody does. Uh, and they've they've been playing very well, not against Villanova. Uh, some of us may have, and I, I won't say who because it could have been anybody. Some of us may have played a teaser with Providence plus 8.5 and, and Stanford plus 21.5, nailed Stanford, and watched Providence do that last night. Somebody may have done that in the universe. And I would have felt better about your Providence one. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, anyway, stock down to Morgan Freeman. Did you see this? Johnny Broom runs yeah. dead into a fan who... And I, this, is the, this is the part I don't understand, okay? This is the part I don't understand. Morgan Freeman is down on the floor watching uh, Auburn Ole Miss. He's an Ole Miss fan. He's got great seats. Johnny Broom goes flying into him. Auburn guy, you're already on high alert. I want to know, like, when I get to heaven, Morgan Freeman, I'm going to assume Morgan Freeman's in heaven for this. I'm going to ask Morgan Freeman, why'd you grab his shirt, man? Morgan Freeman will be at the pearly gates. He'll, there be, you go. he'll be standing there Welcome. reading off the list. Oh, oh <laughs> man. Give me, give me Morgan Freeman. Read the list. Um, why'd you grab his jersey? That was the reason. Because he, like, if he just gets up, he's fine. But he kind of gets a handful of jersey in there for some reason. And so Johnny Broom's, like, trying to swing. 
He's like turned around. He gets done like, oh, oh my bad. I'm, I'm so sorry, Mr. Freeman. I'm so bad. I'm, I'm so sorry. Stock down to Morgan Freeman. If you just hadn't to grab the jersey. Oh, he was just goofing around. Oh though, yeah. Right? Oh yeah. They're they're all they're all just goofing around at the end of thing. Stock up to the 49ers for getting their money's worth out of Brock Purdy. Have you seen the comparison of the quarterback salaries here? <laughs> Patrick yes. Mahomes this year is set to make $56.8 million while Brock Purdy still on his rookie contract. Last pick of the draft, uh, $870,000. Now, how does that compare? Quark, Patrick Mahomes makes this season has made $81,100 per pass attempt. Attempt. $81,000 per pass attempt. Brock Purdy, $48,000 per game. Whoa! What? So Mahomes is making 40% more per pass attempt than Purdy is making per game. When people talk about how you need to achieve on a rookie contract, that's what they mean. Now, that's a seventh-round rookie contract, not a first-round rookie contract, but still, the staggering difference between quarterback salaries on your second contract and your first contract is wild. And I think we would agree they both have been worth every penny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Oh, man, I think so. Uh, Stock up. This is a good one. Stock up to Mac Rhodes. Did you see the Baylor press conference? First of all, the Baylor-Iowa State game was absolutely bonkers on Saturday. Iowa State banks in a three after some clock shenanigans. Baylor's crowd booed the whole game. I'll admit, I left that game and came back to it. Had no clue where Scott Drew was. Scott Drew picked up a second technical for being out of the coaching box. And then Iowa State proceeded to go on a 17-0 run after that to put the game in doubt. And then Baylor comes back. They win the game. After Scott Drew leaves his post-game press conference, Mac Rhodes, the AD from Baylor, steps in there and basically is like, I don't do this, but the officiating tonight was absolutely disgraceful. It's an embarrassment. It's not up to the standards of the league. He went in for like 90 seconds on the officials in the game. I don't know that I've ever seen an AD do that in a press conference after the coach got ejected and after the team won. It was the winning press conference. Just rail. I mean, the AD is going to take the fine and the athletic department is going to pay it, but... Man, it was, uh, he was hot. i never seen that before. Uh, Quack, stock down to several gambling sites on their rules related to the PGA Tour this weekend. Have you seen this one? Uh-uh. Okay, I'm so nervous. The Pebble Beach Pro-Am rained out, ended after three, three days, right? DraftKings left their site open after Saturday's round which meant you could bet futures on the winner. A lot of people did. Do you know why? Because the rules at DraftKings was that a a tournament is considered official after three rounds, and the winner would be recognized and honored. So people are looking at the forecast going, they're not playing another Round, another hole of golf, and they're all betting on uh, what's it, Wyndham, uh, Wyndham Clark, Wyndham Clark. Uh huh. Draft. So DraftKings changed their rules and are not honoring those bets. Uh huh. I I would assume after a certain time. Yeah. Well, so they've changed them to where you had to have the bet in before the end of the third round. 
Ah, interesting. But this is the, so. This is their fault, though. It's their fault. They, they left it open. I, mean, I, I I get it, but this is their fault. You can't just ignore the fact that you didn't put your own fine print where the fine print's supposed right. to go. Well, they did have fine print, and they didn't follow it. They just they just simply allowed the site to to stay up. They didn't suspend betting. By the way, did you know every winner on the PGA Tour this year has been a hundred to one underdog or worse? Every oh, winner this man. year. Oh, that's good. That's gonna be fun when we're sitting down doing major teams. Oh, that's gonna be fun. I love it. Speaking of that, stock down to Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley. Have you seen this story? Uh, so the WM Phoenix Open, which is the party. That's the party uh, uh, event out there in Phoenix. Really big field, a lot of fun, totally irreverent, whatever. Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley have withdrawn from that field. Now, Shoffley's been playing. I think he's, he's, he's played well in Phoenix. But there have been rumors about Victor Hovland jumping to the live tour. He has perpetually denied this, but he fits the profile of somebody they would continue to go hard after. Um, the last time that uh, the last time that something like this happened, and it was sort of related to the uh, it was related to a withdrawal and live rumors. Um, it was who was it? It was Terrell Hatton who pulled out of Pebble Beach last week. Uh, John Rahm's team ends up picking up Hatton, and they win the first live event of the season in Mexico yesterday. So there is some thought that uh, that your boy uh, in the top five, uh, Victor Hovland, is going to do that. Now, I'm I, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that like we're all good, like live in the PJ Tour, we're all good for the majors, but maybe not the rest of the time. Like I don't I don't really know if people are mad or not or what. I'm still not good anytime. So I'm not. So there's that. <laughs> I just I don't know. I don't know. Are we supposed to be mad about that? Like, he's still playing in the majors. Are we supposed to be mad that he, he might pick the live event over the over the WM Phoenix Open? Hard to say. I don't know. Um, if we're going to let him play the majors, we might as well let him decide whether he wants to play in Phoenix or not. Uh, that is it for us. Uh, thanks for all the feedback today. Really good conversation. Uh, tomorrow's show is going to be a banger. God bless. We'll see you then. What's up next? WCCPFM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar. Hey, guys. Did you go up a pant size over this winter? Shed that weight with semi-glutide from Low Country Mail. It reduces 